and everybody choir that got everything going tonight. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. You're real good right now. We'll find out how good we are here in a moment, all right? I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. I'm thankful that you're here tonight, and uh, the Lord's put something on my heart. And uh, how many of y'all got a piece of paper? Uh, how many of y'all got the paper? Everybody's got a piece of paper. Who, let me ask you this. Who don't? Who does not have a piece of paper? All right. Jesse, you helping us out or are you getting one for yourself? All right. Just keep your hands up. Keep your hands up if uh, you have not received. Hey, listen. This ain't the best thing in the world, uh, but it was last minute. And uh, I literally popped this on Miss Michelle about 10 minutes before <laughs> service started. All right. So I, I feel very strongly about what I'm going to preach on tonight. So strongly that I want you. Are they making copies? All right. We're getting more copies. So I'll, I'll talk for a minute and uh, stall for a minute. That's what I'm doing. All right. And uh, but I feel so strongly about tonight. Uh, that I wanted everybody to have this to take home with them, not just uh, uh, to take notes tonight in some manner or form in your Bible, uh, but to have something to take home tonight and uh, uh, maybe put it in your Bible, leave it in your Bible, maybe put it up on your refrigerator, maybe put it there by your nightstand or whatever, but have something uh, that you can take with you and have something that you can uh, uh, use to apply to your life. There was some uh, folks on down front, uh, Jesse, and some back over this way. Uh, if you did not receive one, all right, there's three down here. If you got three, Jesse, and then Miss Stacy, uh, she gave hers away. She'll need another one. We're still working on it. And uh, I, like I said, uh, this was all my fault. And uh, I had this thing put together, and I knew what I was going to preach all day long. But uh, as we've gotten closer to time, I just felt like uh, everybody needed one, all right? And everybody needs to uh, take some notes tonight. And, uh, and then, uh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Chip and uh, Miss Michelle, everybody getting that thing together, all right? Now, listen, I know it ain't the best, and I know that y'all could do better, but you didn't, and so anyhow. All right, let's take a look at Hebrews chapter number 12. We're going to read three verses. We're going to focus in on two, but the third one is just as important. Can I get a witness right there? And uh, so we'll read them all, uh, all three, and, uh, and, and we'll move from there, all right? So the Bible says, wherefore... All right. This wherefore is almost like a therefore. All right. Therefore, in your Bible, when you see a therefore, you always go back to see what it is therefore. This is a wherefore, and this is meaning that this thing is pertaining to something that we've already read, something that we've already learned. So in Hebrews chapter number 11, and many of you know Hebrews chapter number 11 is called the faith 
chapter. It's a hall of faith, if you will. And there's 18 individuals that are named in uh, Hebrews chapter number 11 and the stories of their faith and how God uh, uh, honored their faith and how God used their faith. Now, they weren't perfect people. I mean, we can go back and you can find that none of the people that were listed uh, were perfect individuals, all right? But uh, their faith is what sustained them. And so uh, when this Bible verse here in chapter number 12, verse number one, it says, Wherefore, it's making a reference back to chapter number 11 and back to the individuals that we were introduced to in chapter number 11 and their faith. So wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And that cloud of witnesses is not necessarily somebody watching us, all right, but it is uh, a, a examples that were set before us. All right, and so wherefore, chapter 11, all the faith that we see in chapter number 11 is an example to us. Does everybody understand? That's the cloud, this great cloud of witnesses, not just the men, those that were mentioned, uh, uh, but there was many. Uh, a matter of fact, in chapter number 11, I can't remember what verse it's in. I'm not going to try to find it tonight and waste our time, but uh, it also says, and there were many others. So it wasn't just the 18 that were named. We have many others, and we can go all throughout history, and even in our lives, right, some of you's got a grandma or you have a grandpa or somebody in your family that was a witness of faith in your life. And they were somebody you looked to. I can remember my grandmother, my Granny Harrington, all right? She died, I believe, in 2004. And my grandmother, I can remember uh, walking by her bedroom and my grandmother sitting on the edge of the bed with a Bible in her hand reading the Bible. Uh, my grandmother played the piano for the church. I mean, my grandmother was involved uh, in, in church. My grandmother was, uh, loved the Lord. And so uh, there was though, you know, that, that cloud of witness uh, uh, in my life that I even remember that to this day uh, about my grandmother. So we see, wherefore seeing... Uh, we are. Uh, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight, all right, and the sin which does so easily beset us. Now you'll remember not too long ago I preached on this. I feel like I preached on it like last month, but I know it was quite a while ago. It was probably sometime around the summer and I had Ella. Is Ella in here? And uh, uh, is Ella, she's out there. Anyhow, I remember I had them, I had some teenagers standing up front holding weight. Y'all remember that? We had an illustration with that. And uh, uh, man, and that's a great uh, application. And I hope you do remember that sermon and remember uh, uh, the principles behind that. But tonight we're going to look at it from a different angle if we can, but we lay, lay, let us lay aside every weight. Now, weight here is not necessarily sin, okay? It's something that would hinder us. It's something that would delay us. It's something that would hold us back, all right? So it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a sin in our life. It could be an individual in our life, right? They're not really sin, but they're not really on the track that we are and definitely not on the pace that we are. You see what I'm saying? And so maybe uh, in this uh, uh, context, we need to turn loose of some individuals or we need to turn loose of something that's not necessarily a sin, not necessarily a bad thing, but it is hindering our walk and it is hindering our spiritual growth, all right? So let us lay aside every weight. And then it says, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. 
All right, now there, now just y'all help me and, and be carnal for just a minute, all right? Be carnal, or I know you put on your robe of righteousness when you come in here, all right? Is everybody with me, all right? And I know you got it all figured out, and man, you're, you're like, you're, you're dialed in. But every one of us knows that there is something, that there's a sin that easily besets us. There's some things in my life that you can throw at me that, hey, ain't no way. Everybody hear me? Ain't no way. Don't even come at me with that junk. But there's some things in our lives and all of our lives that if we're not very careful, it can easily beset us. All right? So I need you you to put off the spiritual facade and be realistic tonight, be honest tonight, and say, preacher, I know what that is. I'm not asking you to identify it. I'm not asking you to tell me what it is. I'm just saying I know, and you know, what that is in your life, okay? And uh, it may be for some that maybe just got saved. It may be uh, several different things. Uh, For others that's been saved for quite a while, it may be just a number one or two things or something that you know that right now you you have, right now you have claimed victory over it, But you know that in the right circumstance, that sin can easily beset us, right? right? All right, so uh, uh, we need to lay aside every weight and the sin which has so easily beset us. All right, now look at this. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, I hate that word. I hate that P word. Can I get a witness? All right, I, I do not like patience. There ain't nothing about it I like. And so, praise the Lord, God wouldn't do that to me. And so this word really means endurance, all right? Uh, it doesn't mean the patience of sitting and waiting. It means the patience of enduring to the end. Persevering, if you will. Continuing on. Pressing forward, even though uh, 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 things don't necessarily go our way, all right? There's a, there's a race. We're to run with patience or endurance. We're to run with perseverance. We're to, run to, we're to keep running no matter what happens, all right? I, 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 wish I, had, I, I wish I had thought about it sooner. I wish I was an evangelist and I got to preach these messages like 16, 20 times, 30, 40 times a week, I mean a, a, a year, but I don't. And so there's so many things that I'd like to do. I'd love to show you a video. There's a video of a man and his son was running a race and maybe you've seen this and his son caught a leg cramp. And uh, anyhow, uh, the father runs out onto the track and helps his son to cross the finish line. Meantime, the officials are telling him, you can't do that. And uh, I almost cry thinking about it because <laughs> dad was fixing to whoop somebody. Is everybody all right? And uh, he come out there to help his son and to help him across the finish line and to help him to finish his race. And so uh, anyhow, this is the mindset or the idea here is let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let me move on. I don't want to get bogged down. Looking unto Jesus. All right, looking unto Jesus, that word looking there, it means to take our eyes off of other things and to fix our eyes on Him. It doesn't mean just look towards Him. It means to take your eyes off of other things and to fixate on Him. So looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured, there's a word again, 
endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. I, I, this, this week, I had an incident that I will share with you. I'm going to tell you where all of this came from. And I don't remember if it came Monday. I don't remember if it came over the weekend. I don't remember if it was last week when me and Michelle was off. But anyhow, this thing started working at that time, this, this, this idea. And God was working on me. So when I'm preaching this, understand this isn't for you. This was for me. And it was concerning a situation that I found myself in the middle of and had to deal with on a personal level. I didn't have to call nobody because it wasn't me wronging anybody. I didn't have to fix it here and fix it there. It was something that I had to deal with personally in my spiritual life. And this is what basically brought all of this to light. And anyhow, the word through all of this is discipline. Now, we don't like that word. I need somebody to help me. Okay, you got a blank spot up there where you can take some notes and we'll get into the outline here in just a few moments. But discipline is a word that we don't like. Matter of fact, how many of you agree with this? It is a dreaded word. Can I get a witness right there? Nobody likes it. Not, not anybody. I don't care who it is. I don't care how disciplined you are. You don't like the word. You may be as disciplined as you can be, but you don't like to hear the word, you don't like the word discipline. If you do, there's something very wrong with you. Okay, something very wrong with you. But discipline is absolutely necessary in our everyday life. It's absolutely necessary not only in our everyday life, but it is also necessary in our spiritual life. See, no one likes it whether you're 10 years old or you're 80 years old. It's an awful word. You think as you got older that this word discipline would get easier, but it doesn't. We didn't like discipline, and I ain't talking about getting your butt beat. I'm talking about discipline in ourselves. We didn't like it when we were 10, and we sure, don't, it doesn't get any easier as we get older. Matter of fact, we didn't like it as we, when we were 10 because we knew everything. All right? Then when we, <laughs> is everybody all right? Then... <clears throat> When we get up a little bit older and we know some things, we really don't like it. Uh, because then discipline starts cutting into some things that we like to do that we, right? And so discipline, whether you're 10 or whether you're 80, it's an awful word. We despise it so much as a young person that we, as a young person, that we avoid it now as older people. Mm, I want you to think about that. We despised it so much as a young person that now we just completely avoid it. Uh, everybody's looking for a way to lose weight. I need somebody to help me. There is a way to lose weight. It's called discipline. It's ca I need somebody to help me. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, you're, I understand your metabolism ain't what it used to be, and I'm, I'm the same way. I can remember every day, and this is probably why I'm fat now, but I can remember as a 16, 17-year-old, every single day, Brother Johnny, I went. Uh, after football practice, I went, there was a McDonald's that I had to pass. And I'd go in there, is everybody all right? I'd get a 20-piece chicken nugget, and they weren't nuggets. I don't know what they were. They weren't chicken, is everybody right? They might have been nuggets, but they weren't chicken. I'd get fries and a Coke and eat that every day and then go home 
and eat what my mama cooked. And was 170 pounds. I need somebody to help me. Praise God. Now I can pass by the McDonald's that I will not go and eat at. And I can feel myself gaining weight. I understand about metabolism, but let's just be honest about it. We'd all be in better shape physically if we were disciplined. We wouldn't be in the troubles that we find ourselves in if we were. Help me, y'all. Don't get quiet on me now. So what exactly is discipline? Well, for, our, for tonight, for our use of the word, I, I give, I'm going to give you two definitions for it. Uh, number one, you don't have to write these down. And don't, hey, listen, if one of you asks me how to spell it, I'm going to throw something at you, all right? All right, training to act, and <laughs> we're not in college tonight, all right? Uh, training to act in accordance with rules. Training to act in accordance with rules. That's one definition. The other definition is activity, exercise, or a regimen that develops or improves a skill. All right? There's, there's, it, it's an activity, an exercise, or a regimen that develops or improves a skill. Let me say this, and we, by, by introduction, we're done with the introduction, but let me say this with a transitional statement. Every Christian in this room can run our race effectively. By enforcing the following disciplines. I'm going to give you three of them that I feel like that we need to look at and three of them that I feel like will help you, all right? I want you to notice first off there at the top of your paper, you can start filling in the blanks, but there is a game plan that must be implemented. There is a game plan that must be implemented. All right, the Bible tells us in chapter number uh, 12 and in verse number 1, it says, let us run with patience, look at this, the race that is set before us. How many of you know that God ain't just thrown this whole thing together? We didn't just come by an accident. God didn't just throw this thing together and you're just wandering through life. The fact of the matter is, is that when you got saved, God has a purpose in your life. There is a game plan for your life. God didn't just leave you to continue on through life as you had before salvation. Just wandering to and fro, being tossed to and fro. God has a perfect will for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God wants to, listen, accomplish something through your life. There's a game plan that must be implemented. And so many Christians are living without getting involved in the game plan. They don't want to know the game plan. They certainly don't want to act out the game plan. They don't want to do things like what it takes for them to accomplish what God's purpose is for their life. Why? Because right now we're enjoying where we're at. Right now we're enjoying being in control of our life and saying what we do and when we're going to do it because we don't like what word? Discipline. And so God here, He shows us there's a race, listen, that is set. Did you get that word? There's a race, that's God's will, and it is set 
before us. In other words, it's already been determined. But the problem is, is that many of us are not implementing it. Many of us are not acting upon it. Many of us are not seeking to understand it or even to know it. And therefore, we're wandering through life and wondering why this is going on and why that is going on. There's a game plan that must be implemented. There's a game plan that must be implemented. In that game plan, we discover our purpose. In that game plan, it's on your blanks there. In that game plan, we discover our purpose. The purpose is God's will for our life. The race that is set before us. In this game plan, we discover God's purpose for our life. And let me tell you something. There is nothing more freeing for an individual, for a Christian, than to know what your purpose in life is. Most of us, we live our life and we want to know what the future holds. And that's not where our purpose is. Our purpose is what we're doing right now. God didn't save me for heaven, which is my future. He saved me for right now to work in his kingdom, which is my purpose right now. Is everybody understanding what I'm saying? You're looking for something out in the future, 15 to 20 years, but God saved you to do something now. I'm going to walk over here and say it, all right? God saved us to do something now. There's a purpose for your life. God has a will for your life. He has a perfect will for your life. The question is tonight is, are you living in God's perfect will? We see the game plan that must be implemented. In that game plan, we discover our purpose. Number two, our second uh, 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 sub-point. In our game plan, uh, we discover our part. I want you to look at this. The Bible says, let us run. Everybody with me? <laughs> let us run. Say it with me. Let us run. run. Hey, listen, you and I have a part in this game plan. It's not just God working everything out for us and all of this by design. God transporting us where he needs us and doing this and that. You and I have the responsibility of running the race that is set before us. And we can't sit back on the sidelines. We can't say, hey, I'm going to let somebody else run the race for me. We can't say, I'm going to let my mom and dad run the race for me. We can't say, well, I'm going to let grandpa run the race for me or I'm going to let my friends run the race for me. We all have a race that you and I must run. run. See, it's in our game plan that not only we discover our purpose, but it's in our game plan that we discover our part. We get a part in this. I need somebody to help me right here. God saved you. God saved me. And then he allows us to be a part of his purpose. Not only is my not only does he have a purpose for my life, but his purpose for my life, it accomplishes his purpose. And he lets me be a part of that. He lets me participate in that. He allows me to have, a, not a say in it, but to have a part in it. And so in the game plan, we discover our purpose. But in the game plan, we discover our part. In the game plan, next we discover our partners. I need you to look up here. It says this, and let us, everybody see that? It didn't say, let you. It didn't say, let me. It said, let us. Let us. 
run. I, I, I looked at this. Hey, we discovered that we have partners in this. I want you to know the writer here, whom I believe to be Paul, but the writer of Hebrews here is telling them, hey, listen, I'm running the race with you. I need somebody to help me. You look to your neighbor right now. Look around you. They're running the race with you. We're all in this thing together. And hey, my job, and my job is to help you run your race. Your job is to help me run my race. And unlike any race that you and I have ever been a part of, this one isn't about winning. This one isn't about winning. This is about finishing. Let us run with patience. This is not about winning. It's about finishing. So I'm not in competition with you. You're not in competition with me. I, my job, God, one of my, one of my purposes in life is to help you finish your race. To help you run with patience. To help, I need somebody, is everybody y'all getting this? It is, I, it, we discovered that we have partners in this. And it is the church. And the sad thing is, is that most Christians, they abandon the church and neglect the church and wonder why they can't run the race is because they don't have anybody helping them run the race. Let us run with patience. Not only do I see partners in the brethren, but I see partners, look at the next verse and then we'll move on to the next subpoint. Looking unto Jesus, everybody say this with me, the and if he's in the beginning and he's in the end, I certainly believe <laughs> hey, y'all ain't getting this like I'm throwing it down. If he's at the beginning and he's at the end, then I have to believe that he's everywhere in between. And so not only am I running, not only is this us, the brethren, but this us is him running with us too. This us is him. A matter of fact, the Bible tells us in the next chapter, in chapter number 13, this just come to me. But in chapter number 13, it says Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Is everybody with me right here? He, the Bible tells us that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so we're not running the race alone. God has he's declared, we discover in the game plan that there's some people that's running the race with us and that, that he is running the race with us. So in the game plan, we discover our purpose. In the game plan, we discover our part. In the game plan, we discover our partners. But in the game plan, we discover our path. And I've already, I've already uh, addressed this, but it's not about winning the race. It's about finishing the race. Our path is our perseverance. If you think you're going to beat everybody <laughs> to your purpose and to fulfilling your purpose, the only thing you're going to beat us at is getting to the grave before we do. Amen. Do y'all even understand what I just said? Because I, I, once you're in the grave, your race is over. 
And I mean, if you really want to beat me that bad, go right ahead. I'm just going to keep on running because there's no finish line except for the the grave. So in that game plan, we discover our path. And then lastly, in that game plan, we discover our pattern. We discover our pattern. I, I wonder if you look at this verse with me. Now we're told up in the first verse, it says, let us run with patience. The race that is set before us, right? Now I want you to look at the next verse. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Kind of odd. I mean, we took race and we replaced it with, did y'all catch that? How many of y'all caught that? Jesus' race, the Bible instructs us, was joy. For the joy that was set before him. Can I say this? He had a race too. His earthly life, he had a race too. What are you saying, preacher? He had a purpose. Remember, he was born to die. He had a purpose. He had a purpose. And that's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but thine be done. Why? Because God's perfect will was for him too. And so for the joy that was set before him, look at this, he endured the cross. Are we not told to run with patience? Did I not tell you that word patience means to endure? I mean, we are literally showed a pattern in Scripture about how to run our race by looking at how he ran his race. God had a purpose. God the Father had a purpose for his life. And he submitted to that purpose when he said, not my will, but thine be done. And we know his purpose ultimately ended on the cross with his death. But I wasn't the end for him. Can I get a witness? His purpose, we see it. We see Jesus' race. We see His resolve. He endured the cross. And then we see His rest. He found rest because the Bible says, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I ain't got time, not going to do it, but we could go back into the Old Testament and we could look at the tabernacle and we could look at the high priest because he has been told and revealed to us in the book of Hebrews as our high priest. We can go back. I mean, everything, man, there is so much typology and so much uh, foreshadowing from the Old Testament into the book of Hebrews. Matter of fact, you could take the book of Hebrews and, man, explain the Old Testament, right? And so here we see Jesus as our high priest, and the Bible says right here that he is set down on the right hand of the throne of God, and for him to be set down as a high priest means that it was finished. Because in the Old Testament, there was no chair in the tabernacle. Because the work of the priest was never done. And so we see Jesus' race. We see his resolve and we see his rest. A pattern. 
that we discover in our game plan. There is a game plan that must be implemented. Number two, there are guardrails that must be installed. Oh, now we get into some preaching. There's some guardrails that must be installed. So me and Michelle, we like to ride the motorcycle. Amen. We like to go up in the mountains. When you ride the motorcycle, I mean, it's fun to ride on flat ground. I mean, it, it is. It's fun to ride there by the beach, and we do that, and there, there's nothing wrong with that. It's fun to ride on them road, them canopy roads where the trees come over, and, man, you just, it's like you're going through a tunnel. It'd be not, it can be 900 degrees outside, but you running through there at about 35, 40 miles an hour in that shade with all that cover of them trees. Man, I'm telling you, is, is everybody all right? And then the mountains, man, it's just great. It's some mountain roads, man, that you just, you got to go to, right? Uh, the tail of the dragon and uh, 318 turns and 11 miles, I think it is, or something like that. And anyhow, man, it is just, it's amazing. Anytime we get up there close with a motorcycle, I'm like, let's go ride the dragon, right? And here we go. We go and we ride the dragon. I don't know how many times I've rode the dragon with Michelle on the back of it with me. And man, we go through there and I'd have one of them little crotch rock it's come by me and I got to try to catch him. Is everybody all right? And uh, Michelle beating on my side the whole time, but I'll run him down, all right? I'll uh, come close anyhow. Some of them fools, they, they're going to die on that mountain, all right? But anyhow, man, we get on them mountain roads and, and, and man, I'm telling you, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of anxiety on them because you can be going, can I get a witness right here from somebody that knows what I'm talking about? You can be going about 45 miles an hour and all of a sudden you come into a turn and it's like 10 mile an hour. <laughs> Got a little yellow sign up there that says 10 mile an hour, right? What that means is this thing right here is fixing to be tight. Is everybody all right? This ain't one of them long bending curves out there on the road that you can run 50 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour through. You're going to make a short enough turn. Matter of fact, you may even turn right back onto, back onto yourself right there. Is everybody all right? And, and, and so there's some things that we look for in that. Man, you start going down that thing, you see one of them little signs that says 10 mile an hour, you go ahead and make it, go ahead and make it and it says, I can die. Or I can slow down and go around the curve, right? But I'm in the mountain in the right way. Listen, they got a guardrail because they know some of y'all are on your phone instead of paying attention to the signs. <laughs> I, come on, help me now. Some people are on their phone and too busy distracted to pay attention to the warning signs that are coming up. And so they come into the curve and you know, you can tell because there'll be this marked out spot on the grass around it or either there'll be like paint all over the guardrail that shouldn't have any paint on it. But the guardrail is there because there's danger and just in case it's going to keep you from going down there. Is everybody with me? Y'all stay with me. The, the truth is, is that the guardrail is there for situations that may just pop up unexpectedly. Amen. It's there, these guardrails are there for, for times where you're not really expecting it and boom, there it is. 
And just in case, it's there to catch you. It's there to help you. How does God do this? These guardrails that must be installed. I notice first off, God uses people. God uses people in our lives. God uses a pastor. Amen. I'll say it for myself. God uses a pastor that stands up on a Wednesday night and preaches to you about discipline. The question is, are you on your phone? Are you distracted? Are you hearing the warning sign? Because if you're not hearing the warning sign, you better hope that you got some guardrails some other way that's there to catch you. Because if you're not careful, you'll find yourself distracted and over the side. See, God puts people in our lives. God uses people. He uses pastors. He uses spiritual leaders. I need a teenager to listen to me tonight. He uses parents. <laughs> oh, what do they know? What do they know? They went off the mountain. That's what they know. They went off the mountain. I need a parent to say amen, women and I. We have gone off the mountain. We've had to call 911 and get them to throw the wrecker, the, the wrecker hook down to the bottom. And by the grace of God, pull us out. So God gives us pastors. He gives us spiritual leaders. He gives us parents. He gives us doctors. <laughs> Preacher, how are you going to bring up doctors in the church? Oh, you know, when you go to the doctor and he tells you, hey, you need to quit smoking because if you don't, you... you're going to go flying off the mountain. Hey, you need to quit drinking because if you don't, you're going to. Oh, I need somebody to help me. Hey, you need to quit eating fried food because if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm having fun, y'all mad? All right. Doctors, God gives us friends. He gives us family. People in our family that have fell off. God uses not only people, but God uses programs. He gives us the church. I need somebody to help me right here. I, I, I listen, I've been at the bottom of the mountain, but I can tell you this. God has used the church to help me avoid more calamities in my life than anything else in the world. Amen. You talk bad about the church all you want to, but God has over and over again used the church as a guardrail to keep me from going off the deep end. God uses programs. He uses programs like the church, programs like small groups. Man, what I love about small groups is there's accountability. Amen. We did Sunday school and it was great. I had 100 people in here in Sunday school. I could tell you all to memorize John 11.35 and I'd come back in the next week and say, everybody quote John 11.35 and you look at me like, huh? It's Jesus wept. That's it. But I promise you, somebody be like, don't call on me, preacher. Don't call on me. Because we don't like accountability. But we get in these small groups and we're with this group of people that we love and that we're sharing these things with. And, and now I have an obligation to live like I'm supposed to because she's counting on it. He's counting on it. 
So God uses programs like the church and uses programs like small groups, and yet we try to avoid them. Why? Because we don't like discipline. We don't like accountability. We don't like, to, we don't like somebody to say, hey, I missed you at church. We'd rather somebody say, uh, 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 or we, we'd rather just miss when we want to miss and nobody say anything. But then we missed three weeks and nobody said anything. And then you're like, nobody even called us to check on us. You can't have it both ways. Either you want us to check on you or you don't. Either you want accountability or you don't. God gives us some guardrails and they must be installed. They must be installed in our life, church, small group. God even uses programs like technology. And I'm going to explain some of that. Uh, maybe it'll make more sense as we go along. But man, there's some things that God has allowed through technology that you and I can keep an eye on. There's some parents in here that you've handed your kid a tech, something that's, that, that, that we didn't have growing up. Amen. You're handing them a computer. I can remember the first computer I seen you couldn't pick up. Amen. Now we're carrying them around in our back pocket. Amen. This thing was, this thing's more than what it... Is everybody all right? I mean, literally, when I was growing up, it was like, I'm taking my computer to school. Yeah, bigger. And very much more awkward. Here we go. Here we I'll come back for the keyboard. And all the chords. Right? I mean, this is where we're at. God, but God has given us some technology. And it's dangerous. Amen. I'm going to get into this. It's dangerous. But there's some things on here that God's given us as guardrails. If your parents were smart, you start looking for them because you, there's some things your child don't ever need to see. There's some things on here your child don't ever need to hear about. There's some things on here your child doesn't need to be exposed to. And there's some programs out there that'll make sure that doesn't happen. Man, we got them for our TV. Man, you get them things on your TV, them, what do they call them? Cuss boxes. How many of y'all remember cuss box? None of y'all? Oh my Lord, you can get one plugged up to your TV. I know exactly where all y'all are, you bunch of heathens. But you can plug that thing up to your TV and it cuts out all the cussing in your TV. Yeah. Yeah, is everybody all right? Now, it's about that big, and you got to plug it in. It looks like about like 1970-something, but anyhow, God uses technology, these programs. God uses principles. How? How What what principles? That's the third one there. God uses people. He uses programs. He uses principles. What kind of principles, preacher? The Word of God. Principles found in the Word of God are guardrails that will keep us from going off the deep end. He uses, he uses the Word of God. How about this? He uses the wisdom of examples. If we got such great a cloud of witness, God's shown us some examples in our past. Some of you got a mama and daddy, and some of you got a grandma or a grandpa that you've seen the effects of alcohol in their life. This is the wisdom of an example. Don't follow down the same suit. My grandparents are in the grave. But my grandparents lost a 400-something acre farm because 
of alcohol. Is everybody all right? There's examples. There's wisdom in those examples. God gives us that. Not so we can say, I'm smarter than them and it won't happen to me. But so we can look at it and say, this is a danger. If I allow myself to be that, then that's what I'm... Is everybody... That's the end result that I can expect. There's somebody in your life that you have watched their lives ruined because of an affair. And you know how it happened. And God has given you the wisdom of that example before you to say, don't get yourself in this position. Don't get yourself in this situation. Because if you do, you're likely to end up... Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye... Who are spiritual, restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Principles found in the word of God. wisdom from examples that you and I have in our lives. These guardrails, God has given them to us, these principles. God uses people. God uses programs. God uses principles from the Word of God, from the wisdom of other people's mistakes, the wisdom of other examples, and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. God, over and over again, if you're saved and you're going in the wrong direction, God, over and over again, trying to get you back straightened out. Why am I going through all this? Because God's trying to get your attention. He's saying, whoa! There's a long way down that mountain. You don't just jump back up on the road. You just don't come back where you were. Might find yourself laid up in a hospital. Might find yourself over some time having to recover. I got to move on. The guardrails that must be installed. And then, listen to this one. There are gates, this is the last one, there are gates that must be impenetrable. (laughs) Don't ask me how to spell it, I'll throw you out. (laughs) Impenetrable. You can't get through them. Me and Michelle, we leave in the morning at 5 o'clock. Y'all pray for me, don't worry about her. She's going to be sleeping over there in the truck. I don't know why y'all praying for her, she's sleeping. I'm the one that's got to deal with her being mad that I got her up at 5 a.m. in the morning. Not 5 a.m. I got her up at like 4.30 in the morning so she can rush to get ready at 5 in the morning so she can lay in the truck and sleep while I drive four and a half hours. Is everybody all right? 
I go tomorrow, I'm preaching tomorrow morning, I'm going to preach the same sermon to some teenagers. I'm going to preach the same sermon to some college kids. And then I'm going to teach a college class on, on, I don't know what yet. I had it all figured out, Brother Johnny. But now I don't have it all figured out. God gave me this and I, I, I don't have it all figured out anymore. But we'll go tomorrow and I'll preach tomorrow at Victory and I'll teach tomorrow at Victory. And then I'll leave North Augusta, South Carolina and I'll drive to Gatlinburg. There's some different routes that I can take to get to Gatlinburg. If I do it right, which I plan on it, I'm going to get to go over the mountain. But if you do it, come on, I need somebody to help me right here if you've ever been up there. There's some things, there's some mountains, at some times, that there's a gate that's closed. Now that's aggravating. If you've ever been there, say amen. amen. You drove all that way, you get to the gate, and it's closed. Hey, listen here, and it's a long way around the mountain. Is everybody all right? A lot easier to go over the mountain. A lot prettier to go over the mountain. But it, at times, you can't go over it. They got these big gates. And they'll close the gate. They don't tell you when they close the gate. Me and Michelle left from the conference up there with Brother Brent. And we left and we were like, hey, let's go across the mountain. We shot through. I bent the back roads all the way around Gatlinburg and got in there, avoided downtown Gatlinburg, went all the way around it and come up in there. We're going to go across the mountain. It wasn't that bad of a day. And here's a sign that says, gate closed ahead. I told Michelle, you got to be kidding me. I got, the, I got the waves pulled up and it didn't tell me. By that time we get a phone call, Oh, from Brother Bobby and Miss Lane, and they were still in town. Said, Let's eat together. I said, okay, praise the Lord. We went all the way back down to Pigeon Forge because we were going to have to go a different route. So I drove the 30 minutes back to Pigeon Forge or whatever it was. We ate with Brother Bobby and them, got back in the car, turned on the ways. I said, check and make sure. See if you can check and make sure whether or not the gates still closed. Michelle said, the gates, it says it's open. I said, I'm not driving back 30 miles up there to find out that the gate's closed. Is everybody all right? <laughs> so we ended up going a different route. But anyhow, you get my point. The gate, when it's closed, you can't go through it. You got to take a whole different route. You just, you can't go through it. And there are some gates in our lives that you and I need to put up some gates in our lives that you and I must, must lock and make impenetrable. We decide that. There are standards that are not to be compromised. There are standards that are not to be compromised. That's your blanks. Uh, standards that you cannot compromise concerning communication, concerning your behavior, concerning acquaintances. Concerning environments, concerning circumstances. There's some things that, that you and because of your past, you can't be around. I need somebody to help me. Because of your past, you can't be around that. 
You can't be in that environment. You can't be in that circumstance. You've got to lock the gate. You've got to shut it off. You've got to close it down. But preacher, I can handle it. No, you can't. Preacher, it's okay. I can handle it. I've done this before. No, you can't. You've got to shut the gate. You've got to lock it down. Because if you don't, you're going to find yourself worse than just down the mountain. You're going to find your life destroyed. You got to shut the gate. And you got to lock the gate. You got to make sure that it's impenetrable, that you cannot get through it. No matter what you do, you can't convince yourself. You can't justify it. You can't talk yourself into it. You just lock the gate. And there's some stop signs that are not to be ran. Oh, I know. Some of y'all like in Lake Park like to run the stop signs around here. As long as a popo ain't there, it's all good. Is everybody all right? But some of y'all know what it's like when the popo is sitting there and you roll through the stop sign. But there are some stop signs that are not to be ran. Some sins that easily beset us. And so we got to mm, put a gate, lock the gate. Let me give y'all an example and I'm done. What this whole thing brought on. So I got to a point where I didn't like Facebook. I get on Facebook and I, I want to see things that are going on in my friend's life and in my family's lives. I don't want your drama, but I do want to be a part of your life. But I found that when I was on there, every about three or four posts was ads and this, that, and other. I was seeing more ads and more things for groups and more things for following this influencer or that influence than I was seeing friends. Got over 4,000 friends, I guess is what it tells me on there. And I, I don't know any of them, most of that. And what I'm seeing, I don't even know who these people are. And the people that I do care about, I don't ever see anything from them. I don't ever see anything from them. Don't worry. Your bikini pictures are safe, ladies. I don't see anything. So then it was, well, do Instagram. Well, listen, Instagram's good for you people that like to take pictures of everything that goes on in your life. But I'm the type of person that I'm sitting there at the table six hours after it took place and saying, man, I wish we'd have taken a picture of that. I enjoyed it in the moment. I can try to describe it to you, but the truth is, is that I can't tell you how many times I'm like, man, I wish we'd have taken a picture. I went on my duck hunting trip up to Arkansas, and man, we killed all kinds of ducks. I killed my first mallard. I, I mean, I killed a pintail. I did all these things. I, was, I mean, some, just some beautiful ducks, and we got done. We got back to the thing. I'm like, did anybody get a picture? No. All of us guys, nobody got a picture of all the ducks we killed. I ain't mad about it. We living, is everybody all right? We're living in the moment. I enjoyed it. I got to see them all. I, 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 I mean, I ain't mad about it. Just saying it, it didn't work out for me with Instagram. So then Twitter. I got on Twitter because I was a chaplain at the, with the football team. 
And I remember I asked the guys, I, I went, you know, when I was doing the chaplain up there uh, with Battle State University, I asked them, I said, hey, hey, what, what social media, where, where, how can we connect? Are we on Twitter or Instagram? I don't do Instagram. So they said, we do Twitter. I said, okay. So I got on Twitter. Man, I got on Twitter and I got, I got all kind of stuff. And Miranda and, and my wife and Dalton and them, they'll tell you, man, you want to know about what bill was passed? I can tell you. You want to know how they voted on it? You want to know which one of your representatives didn't vote on it? I can tell you. I mean, I was on there. I, I was digging through all that stuff. And, and, and the election was stolen. Hallelujah. You don't have to agree with me. I know it was. I go through all this, man. I was doing all that. Then I got on there. There's preachers on there. Man, I enjoy it. Now, some of them, they get on there and they fight one another and all this other stuff. But, man, there's some good stuff on there. The guys that, uh, so there's five of us that teach up there at the college and preach to the college and the, and the high school kids on Thursdays. There's five preachers and we rotate. Each one of us do it twice a semester. Brother CT does it as well. So there's, there, there's quite a few of us. But anyhow, we, we, there's some of them that I've connected with on Twitter that I don't know. Matter of fact, one of them, he, he pastors right here in Georgia, and me and him's never met. We've talked on Twitter, and we've talked on Zooms with, with, when we're doing, setting up, you know, the, 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 the classes and all that for the college. Anyhow, I got to Stuttgart, Arkansas, which is home of Mac Prairie Wing. Well, hey, man, beautiful story, beautiful story. All that you want for duck hunting is in that store. It is amazing. The most amazing place you'll ever be. Better than any academy sports. Better than any Bass Pro. Better than any Cabela's. I mean, it is the heaven, right? The haven for the duck hunter, the waterfowler. I walk in the door, and lo and behold, one of the preachers that I know on Twitter who pastors right here in Georgia me and him meet in Stuttgart, Arkansas, of all places. At the front door of Max Prairie Wings. That preacher, I don't know, I, I've even talked to him about coming and preaching here. And maybe one time, maybe soon we'll be able to do that. But that preacher, I, I followed him on Twitter. And, and man, I'm telling you, he's straight up. He is legit. I love this guy. Some of y'all... I ain't going to name him, but some of y'all, y'all y'all share stuff that he posts. I mean, he's legit. I love him. Don't know him, but I love him. My spirit bears witness with him. He made a post on Twitter, and it was sometime last week or sometime over the weekend. I don't, I'm not sure when I, and, and anyhow. So he made this post, and all, all it was, it was, I mean, it was, a, it was awesome. It was just amazing. And, and, and all kind of preachers. We're commenting on it. I commented on it. And other preachers were commenting on it. How good it was. Just a, a, a great biblical truth. And I'm sitting there and I'm going through that thing. And I'm looking and I'm reading the comments as I'm going down. I got my comment in there somewhere and I'm reading the comments because it's just good. People are adding to it. and I mean, it was just good. And right there in the middle, there was this woman. That commented on a post 
full of preachers with a picture of herself naked. Nobody else on that post. Nobody, no other comments but preachers. I sat there with my wife and I said, Michelle, this is ridiculous. This preacher, and I'm not naming him for a reason. He's amazing. Do you hear me? I promise you. He didn't approve that. I promise you, he didn't know it was there. I can guarantee you that as soon as he found out, he removed it and blocked that individual. Is everybody with me? But what I couldn't get rid of, what I couldn't let go of, was I had absolutely no control, no warning. It was there. Stay with me. Everybody all right? I made a devotion. Remember I said how we would put things, you know, when it came to our, our, our protecting our children, our protecting our grandchildren, the great stakes that we would go to to protect them. Right? I mean, we were very proactive. Can I get a witness? Amen. Got a youngin crawling around on the floor? Man, come on. We vacuuming the floor all the time. Because we don't want them to get a hold of something that's on the floor that they ain't got no business getting a hold of and putting it in their mouth. We put child safety things on the cabinets where they can't get into the cabinet and get a hold of something and drink it that they shouldn't be doing. We put child safety locks on the medicine so that a youngin just can't go in there and open up medicine and just start taking pills. We put plastic plugs into the sockets, the, 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 the fixtures there that make sure no youngin can stick. We joke about it and say, you know, they'll only do it once, but come on now. When it's your youngin or your grand youngin, you ain't about to let them stick a fork in the slot and see how they react to it. Man, we get very proactive when we're trying to protect somebody else. But when it comes to protecting our spiritual walk, we say, oh, I can handle it. My first thought was, it's only once. I can handle it. I mean, I'm a preacher. I mean, this might be something that would... Mess Dalton up. Because he's not a pastor. This might be something that would mess. I, I, I'm trying to use somebody. I, I, look, if I say this and you, you're all involved in it, then just know I didn't know it, all right? I, I, I'm trying, I'm, I, Dalton, I'm sorry. But I, 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 I can justify saying, hey, I, I, you know, he, he's not a pastor. It might hurt him, but it, it won't hurt me. I'm a pastor. It might hurt Frank, but I can handle it. This, talk to me now. These were the first thoughts. I ain't that bad. But I told you, I, I got to be proactive, and I got to put up a guardrail, or I got to put up a gate. And I put up a gate. 
I deleted it, the app. Because I don't need to go down that road. While I am a pastor, I'm flesh and blood and I'm a man. That's a road I ain't got no business being on. There's danger on that road. There's danger on that road. And it's not just danger at all times. Sometimes it's just seasonal danger. I mean, sometimes there's just certain areas, seasons of our life when that is really dangerous. But if there's a gate closed off and the gate's locked, then I don't have to worry about what season it is. I don't have to worry about, is everybody, are y'all getting what I'm getting? Y'all getting what I'm throwing down? There's sins that does easily beset us as men, as women. And while I can't control what I see all the time. This is a situation where I can control the road. I can control the path. I can shut the gate to where it may happen, but it won't happen on that road. Are you understanding what I'm saying? I ain't saying that it won't ever happen again, but it will not happen on that road. Because that road is. Discipline. I ain't, I ain't do it for that, Miss Angie. I'm saying I, I'm just as likely to go off that side of the mountain as anybody else. I, had a, I was talking to a friend before church tonight, and I shared my outline because it's good. I don't care if you like it or not. And he wants to preach it. But anyhow, he told me this. He said, Preacher, you ain't going to believe this and don't use it tonight. So I'm going to use it. Amen. But he named a preacher that we both know, a preacher that's gone, not going to name him. He said, I can remember going to his church years ago. And he said he had a book table out there, books that he had written. One of the books that he had written was called Guardrails. And he said, I asked him about that book. And he was telling me it was a series that he had done on guardrails that Christians need to put up in their lives. One of the guardrails that are in that book is the very sin that took that preacher out. He could write about it. He knew that he needed to put the guardrail there. But the truth of the matter is, that sharp turn, that circumstance, come up out of nowhere. Over the mountain you go. Heads bowed with me. I would ask you to come to the altar, but you're probably scared to death. Somebody will know. Somebody will think this or think that. But it'd be good if we all found a place around the altar. 
when nobody's alone, get real honest with God and say, there's some things that I need to close. There's some gates that I need to lock. There's some guardrails that I need to pay attention to. Some warning signs. Warning signs. Them, them guardrails, they, they may damage some things in your life, but they'll keep you from going off the deep end. Those gates, you lock them and they'll keep you from destruction. Too many of us are walking around justifying the filth and the things that we are seeing and hearing saying I can handle it. I'm, I'm spiritual. I'm mature. Spiritually mature. I'm not a teenager anymore. I'm not a 20 year old man anymore. I can handle it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you for a sermon. I pray, God, you'd give us wisdom concerning this sermon. Lord, I pray that we took notes and we can take them home. We can put them up somewhere. We can look over them again. Realize that, God, there's a game plan that needs to be implemented. You have a purpose for my life and if I'm on track doing your will and doing your purpose, Lord, I have less chance of falling off the side of the mountain. But God, there's some guardrails that need to be installed. Lord, I can find them and through people, God, that you put in my life and through programs that you've given us like the church and small groups and or Christian friends. <clears throat> but God, there's some gates I need to lock, some gates that need to be in, impenetrable. There's some roads I don't need to go down. I may miss out on this or I may miss out on that, but the danger on that road is not worth it. The danger on that road is not worth me losing a child to this world or a grandchild to this world or a church to this world or influencing other people to this world. It's too great a risk. It's too much danger. Better off just to find another way around the mountain. God, give us the courage and the fortitude to close the gate and lock it. Toss the key over the mountain. Be satisfied and content not using that road. <clears throat> 
I love you tonight. I thank you for the message. Lord, I pray you keep working on our hearts, Lord. We'll give you all the honor and glory for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.